The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining the Black Male Archives podcast. I am your host, Rodney Freeman, and we have Devin Ray Donaldson is a professor at IU in information science, correct? Yes. All right. And so we just basically wanted to talk to you about your story, your background, how you got into that, and then how you became um, a professor at IU. So, uh, sir, thank you for being on the podcast. No problem. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So, okay. so tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Okay, I'm originally from Chesterfield, Virginia, which is just outside of Richmond, Virginia. And um, born and raised there, went to church at First Baptist Church Centralia, um, where my great-great-grandmother and uh, family had a lot to do with the beginning of that church. Um, And um, lived in the same house all the way up through elementary, middle, and high school. Uh, Decided to stay in state for uh, college. And so I went to the College of William & Mary in Virginia and got a a bachelor's in history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really involved in student organizations and um, really tried to play a role in um, increasing the number of, I guess we say now, BIPOC students um, that would attend the college. And so I was asked to participate in a, um, a, a recruitment event in the greater Richmond area. And uh, there was a friend of the library board member there. His name is Fred Ward. Um, and he was, I think, like from the class of 60 or 62 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he came up to me and he said, you know, I really enjoyed you being on the panel. Um, and we're looking for a student representative to be on the Friends of the Library Board. Would you be interested? And I said, well, of course. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, Um Thank you for thinking of me. And so I I say that because um, my first job or experience working in libraries was not uh, checking out books or doing circulation or shelving or anything like that. My first library experience in terms of work was development. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was on the Friends of the Library Board and we raised $2 million um, for oh, wow. the library that year. Um, That's awesome. prob- yeah, <laughs> it probably came down to some of the people that were on the Friends of the Library Board, yeah. very, very well-established, <laughs> yeah. writing some uh, personal checks, but I'm sure also mm-hmm. um, it was our efforts as a collective whole. And so that, I didn't, I mean, of course, I, I, I'd been uh, using libraries mm-hmm. and my parents um, stressed the importance and value of library. I mean, I would check out books. I remember that as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in addition to doing it at school. Mm-hmm. But I never thought about it as a career path until doing that. And then at the end of my experience on there, um, I talked to the dean of libraries, who was then Connie McCarthy. She's now retired at at uh, Earl Gregg Swim Library. That's the mm-hmm. library at William and Mary. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, this is really interesting. I think I just had a really narrow, antiquated notion of what library work would be or mm-hmm. that this is also something that could be part of that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to learn more. And she created an internship for me where I basically could shadow people in the different departments of the library. And that was very helpful 
um, to give me insight perspective into the profession and kind of in, encourage me because I mean, at that time I was in my senior year okay. and um, I felt like I should have known earlier if I wanted to do this as a career path, but I stumbled upon it as a result of this. Mm -hmm. She just encouraged me to keep going and even to apply, you know, for graduate school in library science. And most of the faculty or, or, you know, most of the librarians at um, Twin Library um, went to UNC Chapel Hill in the School of Information Library Science to get their Mm -hmm. master's degrees and so I applied there and I got in and I went. Oh so okay so so was that your so you were introduced to libraries just the the, the field of librarianship you say your senior year in high school? No senior year of college. Oh senior year of college okay yeah. so so in college then before that before you were introduced did you know I guess all throughout throughout college did you know that you you know this is what you wanted to do was to to go to, uh, and get your doctorates in um, library science, information science? I had no idea. I knew, I I went to William & Mary because I always loved history. History was always okay. my subject. And William & Mary is the second oldest college in the country. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's where history, <laughs> for yeah. good or for bad, yeah. that's where history is. Right. And I thought I was going to go to, continue to go to school um, for history and be a oh, history okay. professor. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so you knew though that you wanted to go and get your PhD. Was that? I did. Okay. 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 And how was that journey? Tell us a little bit about that. I just think that the value of education was always stressed by like my mother, my father. um, And I always wanted to be the best or the best that I could be. Yeah. And I remember being like at, either my fourth grade or fifth grade, you know, at the end of the school year, they always have these Mm -hmm. awards assemblies. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had really worked hard that year and I didn't get any awards. And I was like, well, what, what, why, what's happening? Well, come to find out I wasn't in the honors courses. You know, my mom didn't, had not been, we didn't know there was, you know, these levels of courses, right? Mm-hmm. So I was knocking out of the park in these courses. And then they were giving me this feedback saying I was all talkative and everything. And it's like, well, maybe I wasn't in a classes that were challenging me enough. Right. <laughs> right? right. Um, and so I, we learned all of that. And one, one, um, one of my teachers, um, well, all right, there's a later story with that. Basically, at the end of that award ceremony where I didn't get anything, I said, I'm never going to go to a, a awards assembly again where I don't get something. So we need to figure what what is what track am I supposed to be in? What like what do I need to do to do this? Because that's what I'm going to do. I want to be the best. I want to mm-hmm. be the top. Mm-hmm. And from that day forward, anytime there was any awards or ceremony, I always got something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miss Roberts, um, now her name is Gilliam. Lonnie Gilliam, she realized, she was like, he has all these A pluses. What is he doing? He's supposed to be in this level. And she shared that with us. And then I was able to get in the classes that I was really supposed to be in. Mm, Okay. Okay. And then that just really just propelled you to making sure that you go and get your PhD. How, when you got into the field and then get, uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about how, how it was being a black male in the, uh, the, in getting your PhD one, getting your PhD, being a black male, and then two, being a black male in information science land, too. Um, it has been a 
really interesting experience. There's been definitely highs and lows. Um, I think that all throughout my experience in doing that, mm-hmm. um, to some, it's really a surprise. Like, oh, you are yeah. going to school? You know, and they just assume, like when I was walking around on campus, they just assumed that I was a football player. And they assumed that I was an undergraduate. And you went to University of Michigan, right? Yeah, for my PhD. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Yep. And um, even when I was at UNC, um, for some reason, I don't know if they still do that now, when they give you their ID cards, the expiration date that they put is like several years out, like eight years out or something. Mm -hmm. And I was registering for classes. I was doing something where I needed to show my ID. And the woman looked at it and she was like, you know, why do you, you you stay here so long or you students stay here so long? I was like, first of all, I've only been here for one year. Second of all, I'm a graduate student. Mm. I guess she just assumed, I, you know, I don't, that I was an undergraduate, like mm-hmm. a super senior or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just none of what she assumed about me was the case. So um, I think that I've received a mix of, uh, of feedback and perceptions. I think there's some people that are very happy about me being in the field yeah. and really wanted to um, encourage me and inspire me and, and, and wanted to see me in the field. Yeah. And so, and, and that has, there hasn't been, I mean, there's been white people, there's been black people, there's been all, it, that has no color, you know, yeah. in terms of people that have been really uh, excited for me and happy for me. But mm-hmm. then there's also been people that are really surprised, you know, mm-hmm. like when I first told some of my friends that I wanted to get my master's at UNC, um, or in some of my friends at William and Mary, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to grad school at UNC for library science. They're like, what are you going to, you know, do that for? You know, you going to school to learn how to check out books? Ha ha ha. You know, it's just yeah. like, no, it's actually a lot more than that. Um, yeah. And that's why you would need a master's degree. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been interesting because I've got the same mix too. I remember when I was in, um, I remember when I was in St. Louis and I was a branch manager down there and people would ask me if I was a librarian. They were like, you're a librarian? It's just, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it doesn't, it, they don't see us or some certain, and it can be black, white, it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, people just, um, there haven't been that many um, um, pictures or yeah. that many uh, things depicting black males as being librarians. So, in, in your role that that you're in now, how do you, um, I guess, represent, or do you, or do, do you focus on that, or do you just let your work speak for itself, and then you know, have that represent you and you being a black man? I think that it's really important that I'm here and that I'm in the role that I'm in. Yeah. Um, just being there um, makes history. Just being there in this role and in this way, um, it, it helps to see that this can happen um, and that it should happen <laughs> and that um, it shouldn't just be limited to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, in this role, I can advocate for us to increase Mm-hmm. Um, representation of people of color broadly defined mm-hmm. 
to, to diversify our student body, to diversify our staff, and to diversify our faculty. Mm-hmm. And because I am, um, you know, I do service where I'm on different committees, I'm there to raise those, those concerns and to yeah. contribute to those in ways that I couldn't were I not here. Right, right. And, and I'm, I'm curious to know, do you see, you know, with the COVID uh, happening, the pandemic happening for the past couple of years, um, uh, and, and just the way of, of things are with this great uh, resignation, do you see people going back and uh, obtaining, especially people of color and black males is, especially, do you see them enrolling in more PhD classes and, uh, and specifically uh, information science too? Um, I have seen more, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we still don't have a lot farther to go because yeah. I feel like there, when I first got here, I wasn't seeing any. <laughs> so to mm-hmm. go from any to one or two, yeah, you know, while that's good, it still isn't where I would hope that we would be. Um, and but I think there are more I think there are more people that are going to school or entertaining it more just because of what's happened in the economy and yeah. everything that has um, has uh, resulted or, or um, I guess kind of the ripple effect of what has happened with COVID. Mm-hmm. Do you what and once people get done with that Ph.D., what what type of. um opportunities can open up for somebody that has a PhD versus a master's? Yeah, well, I, I that's a really good point. I, I think it really depends on what it is that you want to do. Like, okay. I knew I wanted to be a professor even before it was clear to me what I wanted to be a professor of. <laughs> um, and so if you want to be a professor, if you want to conduct um, uh, research, teaching and do service. And if you want to have a vote, a say on certain things that happen in terms of faculty governance and university governance, then I think it's critical that you obtain a terminal degree. Um, if you don't necessarily want to operate in academia in in all of, in, in, in that way, in particular when it comes to voting and some of the decision-making that happens, if you just really want to work in uh, libraries or archives, and then maybe teach a class on the side, because, I mean, we certainly have adjunct faculty that we depend on that make a really important contributions to our department, but you don't want to do some of the other things that <laughs> being a professor entails, then um, it probably wouldn't make sense for you to get the PhD just to get the MLS and then go to a, a nearby library school and say, hey, you know, I would like to teach a class um, related to what I work on, if that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say. Okay. Okay. That's good advice. I appreciate that. And then how are you recruiting or how's your university, university recruiting more minorities to the program? I've played a very active role in that. And I know that there's a lot of scholarship and research about how uh, black faculty or whatever the um, ethnicity is being taxed with that additional burden uh, mm-hmm. to play a active role in recruitment and retention efforts. Um, but I just said, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about and I'm going to do both. I'm going to do the things that I have to do for my job and I'm going to do that 
uh, and I'm going to make my service work um, concentrate on that. Um, And because there's things that I can choose to be on with regard to service. And I didn't have to choose those things, but I chose them, you know, um, however um, labor intensive they may be, because I just felt like the work needed to be done. And um, a lot of times I I find one thing that can be challenging is um, I have attended recruitment sessions and passed out flyers and talked to people and, you know, traveled there. So the school has been very supportive in terms of paying for me, you know, paying for my flight, paying for my hotel, paying the registration fees and all that stuff for me to go and attend and be there. And then we don't get anybody that comes. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges that I have had uh, is to articulate to them that it's still a success, even if nobody comes, because I was able to explain to some people what libraries, some people of color, what library of science even was. Yeah. Because there's not, um, I think that it's, there is a need for more awareness and um, education about this as a career path in general. And so, that's a win because even if that person that I spoke to finds out from what I said that they're not interested in that, they now know about it. And if right. they ever come across somebody who is interested in that, they can say, hey, I met somebody. You should talk to so-and-so because um, that's what they do. Right. And so um, just because I think that, you know, a university is a business and, <laughs> you know, um, it's very much like we spent this much to do this. Where's the return on investment? Return. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you you hit it right there on there because I was the next question I was going to ask you, you know, with this new technology and everything that's going on and I can just Google it. Why do we need librarians and people, information managers? What, what do you say to that? I say to them, I, I try to tie it to examples that they might be more familiar with where um, companies and websites mm-hmm. and fill in the blank would not be what they are without the contributions of libraries and archives. So for example, Ancestry would be nothing yeah. without archives because they wouldn't have anything to put in Ancestry. Right. Um, and it's a shame that some of the things that people are paying for Ancestry for, I, look, Ancestry is good. I've even had an account before, so I'm not trying to bash Ancestry.com, but some people don't know that they could have just went to their archive and got the same thing and didn't have to pay for it. Exactly. Um, and then the same thing like Amazon. Amazon started with books. Yeah. And without ISBNs and about you know, like in the things that the Library of Congress has done in terms of their structure and organization of uh, books, um, they wouldn't have gotten started. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's in people. I don't think they even know when they're using the library, because when you Google it, it's just served up to you. And mm-hmm. sometimes the source from which something has come is disambiguous, is is made ambiguous. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So people are using libraries and don't even know that they are, or they certainly are uh, benefiting from the services um, that libraries yeah. offer. Man, man, this is this is perfect. I'm glad that you put that out there and let people know, especially those examples, because um, I, I feel like people still look at librarians as something that you know is passe, but it's is it's really not. You know, um, so I'm glad. That you're doing this work. What work? What research are you working on before we get yeah. out of here? 
Yeah, so I have been, um, a lot of my work has, has centered on trust in archives and trust in the content of archives. Mm -hmm. And um, I am currently revising and I'm going to resubmit an article in the journal for the Association of Information Science and Technology, which is called JSIST. And mm -hmm. I've been trying for six years to get this mm -hmm. article published. And um, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but basically, I the, the paper is about um, people's trust in Barack Obama's birth certificate. Mm. And I took it to the American Archivist. They told me to re-revise it and resubmit it. And I did. And they rejected it. I took it to Archivaria. They told me, you know, what you have is good, but why don't you do this other study? And I actually did agree with them. And so I did the other study. And so now I've gone to this third place. And the good news is they frequently ask people to revise and resubmit. It's not frequent that they give you an accept right away. But um, I bring that up because it's about trying to understand the impact that a conspiracy yeah. theory can have on people's perceptions, regardless yeah. of what it is that an archi uh, archivist or a public official that has come out to attest that, hey, we haven't done anything different with this birth certificate than any other Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. Right. But but how. Um, so, for example, some of my study participants said we don't necessarily we don't believe in birtherism. Mm -hmm. but just the fact that birtherism called the document into question is enough mm -hmm. to have concerns about whether it's trustworthy or not. And so we need to have that conversation. But I, I think now what I had been what I've encountered is, oh, well, we're past that. You know, he's not even president anymore. And the thing that um, we're not past that. In right. fact, what happened is really contiguous with a lot of events and things that we're seeing now. And so we need to understand, you know, what is the role of the archivist? Um, I think that we have a fiduciary responsibility to provide equitable access to materials, not equal um, access to materials. Because when it comes to uh, Barack Obama's birth certificate, he is the only one who has the right to see his birth certificate without any type of redaction mm -hmm. because it's his mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he's still alive and there is sensitive information on it. And I think that um, people that um, are birthers or were birthers, they used, you know, the fact that, oh, well, this looks like a forgery because there was some sort of alteration. There was some redaction. And so in that case, yeah, it is different from what you would see if you were given access to the real one, but you're not supposed to have the same level of access to that uh, mm -hmm. document as Barack Obama. And so mm -hmm. to use that and spin that in a way to say that, oh, something suspect has happened is just not clearly in effect. It's, it's, it's misconstruing the role of a public official for um, that type of record for someone who's still living. Man, that that is very powerful. Hey, I want to say you right now. If you want to put that in the blackmail archives, let's we could talk. Okay, okay. Well, I hope you know, I, and I know you're trying to get that in there. So if you, if even if you want to get that in there, and you you got something else you want to put in the blackmail archives, let's let's talk. But I think that is yeah, that needs to be out there, and people need to know about that. And and the way that you're tying uh, a current event, well, current you know. Yeah. Uh, recent president yeah. 
and into you know the archives like even the struggle that they're having right now i think the debate on to release trump's papers and stuff like that you know yep. people need to understand how powerful it is being an archivist and and, and yes. you know being managers of these records and caretakers of these records and yeah I, i'm glad that you're doing the work that you're doing so uh sir thank you uh before we go uh where can people follow you where can they follow you on social media and get in touch with you and uh, keep up with, with what you're doing i would recommend that you go to devinraydonaldson.com that is my personal website but it is where i put all the information about all of my research projects my cv i try to keep that updated um what i'm doing uh research-wise. And also on my CV is my contact information. You can email me or, or what have you, but DevonRayDonaldson.com is where I would recommend that you go. Okay, sir. Thank you. Thank you for this. This was very, very informative, and I, I'm glad that we had you on, and I'd love to circle back with you just to follow up. And um, yeah, we'll talk offline about the other stuff, but again, the Blackmail Archives, where we promote uh, positive uh, black men, which you are one of, and I thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, sir. And I just want to thank you for all that you're doing with this. I think that with you uh, founding the Black Male Archives, we need a resource like this. Um, and I, I just know that it's very impactful and it's going to continue to be. And so I just appreciate all the work that you're doing. I know that it takes a lot. I, I can only imagine all that it's taken to, to create it and to sustain it. And so I just want to thank you for all the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much, sir. And again, we appreciate you and, um, and we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. So thanks again. And thanks for listening today. Thank you guys. Take care. Bye.